We are Missouri Farm Bureau Insurance, and we're for the people of Missouri. We're for brewmasters, stockbrokers, beauty queens, and truck drivers. Whatever you do, if you're a Missourian, we're for you. We are Missouri Farm Bureau Insurance, and we've got Missouri covered. Zone. Welcome to AutoZone. What are you working on today? Ah, thinking about gas mileage. A bottle of gum out fuel injector cleaner can clean your entire system and help your engine get more MPGs. Right now, you can get two bottles for only $7, a great deal to help you go a good deal farther. Find gum out fuel injector cleaner and everything you need for better fuel efficiency at any of our 6200 stores. Get in zone, auto zone. Restrictions apply. Did you know a fire department responds to a fire every 23 seconds? This Fire Prevention Month First Alert is reminding you to be prepared by installing smoke and carbon monoxide alarms on every level and in each bedroom of your home. Don't forget to add First Alert fire extinguishers on every level plus in common spaces like the kitchen and know how to use them. Protect your whole home with safety you can trust by visiting firstalert.com and Lowe's stores today. Paid for by Bar Justice. Attention, have you or a loved one been diagnosed with cancer after using Zantac or other heartburn medications for several months? The FDA has warned that Zantac and other medications containing heartburn drug, ranitidine, may be contaminated with cancer-causing agent NDMA. Zantac may be linked to these cancers, bladder, colorectal, esophageal, intestinal, kidney, liver, ovarian, pancreatic, stomach, testicular, and uterine. If you or a loved one have been diagnosed with cancer after using Zantac or other heartburn medications for several months, call now. 800-516-9931. Never stop taking medication without first consulting a physician. Call right now for a free consultation. You may be owed significant compensation. Call 800-516-9931. 800-516-9931. That's 800-516-9931. 800-516-9931. 103. Jack, you know what this song reminds me of? I don't know. The scene where they're eating dinner at the club in, at Caddyshack. Oh, yeah, yeah. When uh, Rodney Dangerfield gets yeah. up and starts dancing around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you guys get some lessons. Yeah. All right. Uh, some Super Bowl quick hits now. Uh, as the Super Bowl, uh, Super Bowl talk continues, Chiefs 38, Eagles 35. Just uh, uh, our initial thoughts on some maybe ancillary plays throughout the course of the game uh, last night. Some big, some not as big. Um, but just want to get uh, Jack's thoughts and we can kick around who did what and when and how important was it. Uh, first of all, let's uh, at least address the defensive holding call on James Bradbury to set up Chiefs game-winning field goal, which for Eagles fans, I'm sure, was a brutal way to – it didn't end the game, but it eventually did. Um, third and eight. From Phillies 15, in field goal range, but still 154 left on the clock. Mahomes threw a pass to Juju and eventually to the end zone. It's kind of a double move, a little in and out and up. And Bradbury was called for holding before the ball fell incomplete. Gave the Chiefs first down. And after that, 
were essentially able to run out the clock. Bradbury admitted after the game, quote, it was a hold. I tugged his jersey. I was hoping they would let it slide, unquote. That was from the man himself. So on the flip side, watching in real time, but also having the benefit of instant replay, was Fox's Greg Olson, who either didn't think it was a penalty or didn't think it should have been called. Uh, For those Chiefs fans, I think they pretty much got the hammer now if they want to try to uh, beat back any, oh, the officials gave the Chiefs that game banter, especially when it comes to the defensive holding call because Jack doesn't, James Bradbury admitting that he held him, pretty much uh, no further questions, Your Honor. I would say so, yes. Remember that commercial? I forgot what it's what it promoted, but the kid that hit the ball out of bounds and they, they don't call it, and then he goes back to the huddle and he says, Coach, I touched the ball. And then they overturn yeah, the call. Remember I did. That, that commercial? Yes, I, think it was I a, do. That- a car commercial, State Farm, I'm not quite sure. But that's what the James Bradbury thing felt like. I think all Eagles fans are upset, of course. I think if it happened to Kansas City, we'd be talking about it in a much different light today. But also, I think if you saw some of the angles, not just the one they were showing on TV, it was a clear hold. It was a textbook hold. And I think the argument being made on Twitter last night, on TV this morning, is, you know, oh, you can't make a call like that in a big-time moment. You can't let a flag dictate the game. Yeah, yeah. Listen, it was a hold. It was a textbook hold. You can't tug on a a player's jersey and expect to get away with it. Sometimes you can, but from where the official was, wherever they were throwing the flag from, they saw that angle. Not the angle they were giving us on TV, which did not look like a hold, but when you turn a defender or you grab them or you prevent them from cutting upfield, which is what Carl Sheffer said to the pool reporters, he said they tra- he had, an, a, had a route that went inside and tried to cut out, and when he cut out, James Bradbury grabbed the hold of his jersey, which prevented yep. him from getting any sort of separation. That is the textbook hold. And, and I think a- he actually held him with his left hand a second uh, right before he ha- headed up the field, too. So he held with both hands, but just not at the same time. I think that's arguable, too. Yeah, and I think it was, you know, maybe looking back, too, it was the right thing for James Bradbury because if he didn't hold on to Juju, he's getting in the end zone. Or you could take it as, hey, if they score, then at least the Eagles do get a chance to go and score and maybe win the game. But come on now. I mean, what what big-time close game has a fan base not blamed the officials for? There always is something that you go back to when it's a close game and say, oh, the, the refs cost us in this matter. The refs hurt us here. It happened in the Bengals game. It happened in the Jacksonville game. When you're a team that wins a lot and you're on a lot of those big-time games, you know, fan bases want to blame officials. I think I did it a handful of times in the New England I era. think Greg, El- Greg Olson kind of gaslit the whole Philly Nation by saying what he said on TV. I don't think that helped. It didn't, and I just don't think he had the right angle from what we saw after the game where there's the clear jersey being held on to by Bradbury. No, I get the feeling that he was like, nah, they should have just kind of swallowed the whistle there. That wasn't that big of a hold. That's where I took away from that. It's a lose-lose, though, for officials there, and you know me. I'm very harsh on officials. So if you do make the call, it's, my goodness, you can't make a call like that, and you can't let that decide the game. On the flip side, if they don't make the call, you'll go, how the hell do you miss a call like that in the Super Bowl? It goes both ways with that. I hate it when people say, oh, you can't let them you know, call a flag. You can't let the officials dictate the outcome of the game. 
The refs didn't dictate that play. James Bradbury dictated the yeah. play because he held Juju Smith-Schuster. And he was man enough to admit it. A lot of guys would have sounded off and, and tried to point the finger and say, hey, don't get mad at me. That was a terrible call. He said, I held, and I tried to get away with it. And that should have been end of discussion. That should be end of conversation. We shouldn't even have a debate today because Juju said he was held. James Bradbury said he was held. Carl Cheffer said no. There was no debate with the officials. They all said that was a hold. There's no, there's no debate here. It was, it was an obvious hold. We have seen calls like that. He didn't get mugged, but by definition, that was a textbook hold. There should be no controversy about this. And if you are still engaged in argument from someone on the other side that thinks that the Chiefs were gifted that call, need I remind you that two catch-no-catches went the Eagles' way. One of them was the incomplete pass to Miles Sanders that a that quick could have been Nick Bolton's second scoop and score after uh, who cleaned his clock. Was that Sneed that came up and separated the ball from Sanders on that incomplete pass? Uh, I was Sneed, yes. Yeah. And and this leads me into my question next question for you, Jack. The catch that was awarded to Dallas Goddard. That was really close. So those two went the way of the Eagles, and I guess Eagles fans or argumentative people will will say that it didn't come with 150 left in the game. Well, my comeback would be, so what? You know, those are a third and 14 conversion and a potential touchdown for Kansas City that went the way of the Eagles instead of the Chiefs. So that brings me to my next question. What's a catch? Devontae Smith's not sure. Dallas Goddard's not sure. Miles Sanders can't be sure. Um, You know what I'm ready to declare that we do away with? Completing the process of the catch to the ground. If you've got the ball... In your possession, I'm going to go with Devontae Smith on this one, in this particular case, because it's becoming more and more, after every game, subjective on what a catch actually is or isn't. And interpretations of the rule are being left up, well, I don't want to say be left up to the officials necessarily, but to me, I'll ask you, Jack, did that Devontae Smith catch look like a catch to you? It did until it didn't. I'm going to take an easy, easy oh, call man. answer. Be, be quiet for a second. All right. He caught the ball, got the necessary steps uh, inbounds, right, and then got pushed out of bounds and down to the ground. Ball moved. I'll give you that. Ball hit the ground and moved. But to me, that's a textbook case of that's a catch. And I don't know where this started. I think it was Calvin Johnson even way back when, in his second to last year or whatever. And this, that's where this, through the process of surviving the ground, that's got to be the catch. I think you can do away with that, and that would clear, clear up a whole hell of a lot of this. Thoughts? I think there needs to be a more clear answer on it, I, I think, for sure, because it's not consistent. That's the problem right now in the NFL 
is there will be a play where you're like, that's definitely a catch. And they'll go, no, nope, the, the call stands on the field. He bobbled it. He didn't have full possession all the way to the ground. And there's times that it looks like it completely got jarred loose, and they go, well, there's not enough evidence. We're going to go with the call on the field. There just needs to be a definitive answer to what is and what is not a catch. And right now, we're all still guessing. Right? We're watching those replays and going, well, I think it's not a catch. But I have no confidence in saying that because I don't have confidence the officials are going to make it not a catch. They are going to stick with the call on the field. That's the easy way to go about it because in real time, it is tough to determine what is and what isn't a catch. But once you go back to the booth, even if you see the ball jarring a little bit, does he kind of pin it between his arm and his shoulder, which is what Devontae Smith had happen last night? I mean, it's just that's one of the main problems, I think, with reviews right now is that you can go back and see a play over and over and over again but there's no guarantee it's going to be right. Baseball is the same problem, too. When it's not, when it's that close, you just need to go by some textbook rule. And right now, I feel like they bend it based on how the ball was was hitting the ground or, or where they hit the ground with it, how much possession they had. I mean, they try to go off the rule of it, but I think they just have different opinions and too many different opinions where you do not have what is and what isn't a catch. You don't have one exact way on how to measure that because you never can trust how those officials are going to make the final call. You know who Chuck Howley is? I do not. He's the only MVP of a Super Bowl on the losing team. He also happens to be the only defensive. Well, no, I, that's going too far. There have been defensive MVPs in the Super Bowl before. Um, I don't think that maybe in our well, my lifetime, because I'm old, I don't think I'll live to see a non-quarterback win an MVP. But as I was watching the game last night, and I'm kind of crawdadding a little bit now that I've had the had this chance to sleep on it and think about it today. But I think Jalen Hurts was the most valuable player in the Super Bowl last night. The stuff that he did had only been equaled by a running back in one case, and that was Terrell Davis with three rushing touchdowns in whatever Super Bowl that was, um, he out, I won't say he outplayed Mahomes, but he out-statisticked him, because that's not a word, 374 total yards, four total touchdowns, most rushing touchdowns and most rushing yards ever by a quarterback in a Super Bowl. And, yeah, he kind of had a boneheaded gaffe where he just kind of dropped the ball that led directly to seven Kansas City points. And I get that Mahomes' second half, and I, I didn't see the numbers at the time when I initially thought of this, that Mahomes was 13 of 14 in the in the second half, and that's ridiculous. Um, but I think Jalen Hurts at least has an argument for being the Super Bowl MVP. Like I said, I don't think I'll ever see a non-quarterback in my lifetime win it, and I guess I'm never going to see a losing player win the MVP. But I thought for a long time last night, Jalen Hurts was the guy. Three rushing touchdowns, the two-point conversion, some beautiful throws. I mean, the throw to Devontae Smith that eventually wasn't a catch was a dime. So was a touchdown to A.J. Brown. So were a couple of throws to not only Smith, but Dallas Goddard. He was almost perfect, regardless of what the stats say. And 
I think he has a – he's not going to say anything, but I'll do it for him. I think he has a beef for the MVP of the Super Bowl last night, Jack. He certainly does. He was the statistical better quarterback in the game, but unfortunately for him, the one costly mistake that he had – was a brutal error and one that I believe cost Philadelphia the Super Bowl. I know it was early on in the second quarter and a lot transpired in the aftermath of that play, but the Eagles were up 14-7. to They had the ball. They had the Chiefs' defense on their heels. And, yeah, the Chiefs had that play covered up, but even a loss of two or three on third down is a hell of a lot better than a scoop and score the other way. And I think that gave the Chiefs' defense momentum. It gave the sideline the juice to hang around in the first half. Now the Chiefs still trailed by 10 but Jalen Hurts, I think if there was one play he could go back to, it would be a no-brainer uh, that he would try to have better ball security there not try to switch hands because he didn't get hit and fumble the ball. No, he, he dropped didn't. the ball. He yep. dropped the ball trying to switch hands or trying to avoid Nick Bolden that point, and that's a brutal, brutal mistake. But other than that, he was flawless. He was phenomenal. He was an incredible, credible quarterback last night, and he was great running the ball. He was a great uh, avoiding pressure. He threw the deep ball pretty well. He got the check down offense rolling. I think he played better than Patrick Mahomes, but you're not going to hand out an MVP to a guy on the losing team, and especially a guy that you know did cost his team six or seven points. I know it sounds harsh. I know it's very critical, but they're not going to give that MVP award to Jalen Hurts over Patrick Mahomes, who didn't play poorly. He pretty much played flawlessly, too. He had one incompletion in the second half. He ran the offense perfectly. He had three passing touchdowns, no picks. He was clean in the pocket. Like They're not going to give that to Jalen Hurts over Patrick Mahomes when Mahomes didn't cost his team six or seven points. Jalen Hurts didn't have to overcome a 10-point deficit. So I think that's why they went with Patrick Mahomes. And I don't think there's many arguments more than that because if Patrick Mahomes had, let's say, two picks, uh, 150 yards passing, sub-completion percentage of 60% or sub-60%, then I think, yeah, you do have an argument. But Patrick Mahomes played damn well last night. And since no, he was on the second half, season, Second half, he was almost perfect. I mean, that that's – and they were down 10, so – yeah, I'm, I'm not going to put up too much of a stink, but I think for the entirety of the game, if you could just change one play, I don't know how you can complain about that if you're a quarterback, and that was Jalen Hurts. Yeah, I mean, it does suck for him because I am a big Jalen Hurts fan, uh, and the way to kind of look back at your Super Bowl performance, your first one at that, and say, I played really well, but if there's one play that's going to really haunt me, it's not a misthrow. It's not some miscommunication. It's not a pass where or where you just missed a guy downfield, didn't even see him in your eyesight. It's a play that actually gave the defense six points the other way. And when you lose by three points, it's the difference, man. Uh, but not to take anything away from what he did, he was flawless. He was perfect, which makes it that much more unbelievable the Chiefs were able to pull off that comeback because it wasn't like Philly was just playing terribly offensively. They were still scoring points. They were still moving the ball. There were very few punts in the game, and I think that's a credit to how good both these quarterbacks were in their first matchup in the Super Bowl. What the hell was the deal with the grass? We had George Toma tell us, this is the second-best uh, field, and he's done all the Super Bowls. This is the second-best field he's ever seen, save for the Orange Bowl back in, like, Super Bowl three, And yet, Jake Elliott almost pulled a – a Harrison Butker, after the halftime show, they had to have divot replacers like they were out there playing polo, and people were changing their shoes left and right. How's this happen? And by the way, how does the Raiders 
not ever have to deal with this because they wheel their sod in and out so it can get sunlight and rain and everything else. And yet this place is claiming people left and right. What the hell was the deal with the grass? I wish I had a better answer for you because it did play a massive impact in this game. And, you know, I do want to give a lot of credit to the Chiefs offensive line. I think some of the reason the Eagles couldn't get a great pass rush is because they were struggling to stay on their feet, and it's hard to get that traction. Now, same goes for the offensive line. They're on skates. They're having to deal with the same slippery field. But, yeah, how how can you host a Super Bowl? How can you have problems like this in the regular season and still not find a great way to fix it? Is the sod that bad? Is the turf that bad? Because, like you said, this doesn't happen in Vegas. This doesn't happen in Indianapolis. It doesn't happen in some of these places that have domes. The Superdome, that's another one that doesn't really have problems. It seemingly has only been Arizona this year, and it did concern me. I, I thought some guys were going to have some some serious injuries when I saw them slipping and sliding around. Hell, it was after the play, but you remember Isaiah Pacheco's first rushing touchdown of the game, or his only rushing touchdown of the game. He went to go celebrate and slipped. He slipped and fell on his ass. So that was concerning me going, man, I— Maybe you, something as simple as celebrating, just running to the sideline. Maybe you slip and you pull something, you twist something. And in a Super Bowl, that cannot be happening. I don't know where the blame goes. Is it just on George Toma who got that field ready? I mean, what They've is the deal? They've been growing here? that grass for like uh, however long at some grass farm, um, which is beyond me because I'm not an agronomer or agronomist. But he was he was singing the praises of that uh, that field far, you know, dating back to before the day of the Super Bowl and look what happened. I I was I was convinced that there'd be no way we'd have a repeat of the Chiefs uh, Cardinals game on opening day. I was like, no, they they'll they'll fix this. This is a Super Bowl. Uh the first game's issue was a Cardinals issue and this issue would be an NFL one and they won't let it happen. Um amazing. Final question for you, Jack. Did B better have my money win you any prop bets last night? I did not bet on what song Rihanna would come out to. Uh, as a Rihanna fan myself, I was hoping she'd come out to uh, Don't Stop the Music or SOS. SOS is my favorite Rihanna song, but I didn't. I actually didn't expect it to be, uh, you know, B better have my yeah. money. Uh-huh. Um, I thought that it was going to be played first. I was kind of caught off guard, to be honest. I think everybody at my table where you're watching at had made like little bets with themselves, saying, oh, I think it's going to be this, I think it's going to be this. That was not even uttered. <laughs> so if yep. somebody put some money down on it, good for them, because I think they probably got a pretty big payout. Got pro- great odds, yeah. She's got too big of a ca- uh, of a uh, catalog to really pin down who you might have thought, uh, what she might you might have thought she led off with. Um but anyway, there was your halftime show. And those are your Super Bowl quick hits. Now, leading up to, you Shocker fans got treated to a perfectly timed Wichita State SMU game. Meanwhile, the softball team had a very successful but not perfect weekend. And women's basketball had a Super Bowl Sunday to forget. Shocker talk when we come back. And then I'm old Jack Young. It's 124. The Shane Dennis Show will be right back on ESPN Wichita, 92.3 FM. What do people with blindness or low vision need to live to the fullest? Just ask them. It's skill development, scientific breakthroughs, knowledge-based jobs, and the same opportunities as everyone else. When you give to Envision, whether it be your time, donations, or your engagement, you make it all possible. 
that's because at Envision, they don't focus on the disability, they value the ability. They choose not to envision a world without sight, but to envision a world where people who are blind or visually impaired are empowered to reach their full potential. Learn more at EnvisionUS.com. When it comes to making plans for next year, it's time to think new for 22. Take advantage of the season's best pricing on model year 2022 Case IH equipment from Canequip. Axial flow combines and headers, early riser planters, and more. Plus five years of an AFS Connect subscription with purchase on select equipment. Visit CanEquip in Wichita and Hutchinson, your Case IH Red Zone sponsor. CanEquip, CanEquip you. Wireless headphones. That'll be $200. I'll use my Capital One Quicksilver card. Now that's a hit. You used the Capital One Quicksilver card, which makes you the hero of every purchase. With Quicksilver, you earn unlimited 1.5% cash back on every purchase everywhere. I wanted running music, but unlimited 1.5% cash back is pretty heroic. Good instincts. Every hero needs a theme song. The Capital One Quicksilver card. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. Did you know you could be driving in a pile of cash? Like, right now? Bumper makes it easy to know what your car is worth. The used car market is hot right now. Bumper.com could be your chance to cash in. Bumper.com lets you know what your car is worth based on your car's specific details. So whether you're selling or just want to know, Bumper makes it easy. Bumper.com could be your opportunity to make some bank. Know what your car is worth. Just go to Bumper.com. Bumper reports are based upon data available. Bumper may not have the complete historical records of every vehicle. We all know the saying, happy wife, happy life, and good night's sleep will definitely keep the wife happy. That's why you should try Derby Mattress. Their heavy-duty mattress made by Sutherland holds up to 1,100 pounds from a company that's been around for well over 100 years. Also, there's a latex mattress that you can buy now and not have to replace for decades. thing I love about Derby Mattress, their everyday prices beat the sale prices of the big box stores. That's Derby Mattress, 105 South Baltimore and Derby, or online at derbymattress.com. What does it feel like to be in Kansas City, the soccer capital of America? To hear thousands shouting as one, to see waves of sporting blue, to hug total strangers, to be a part of something bigger than any of us. What does it feel like to be at Children's Mercy Park? It feels like home. It's showtime in Kansas City! Sporting opens the season at home on March 11th versus the LA Galaxy. Grab your tickets now at SportingKC.com. So Shocker fans have apparently ESPN to thank for scheduling Wichita State pretty much right at the cutoff time of where regulation ends and fans that did go to the game yesterday to get in their cars, head back home, and check out the Super Bowl. But for those that stayed home to either have a Super Bowl party, attend one, or some combination thereof, and just wanted to watch the Shocker basketball game and then the Super Bowl, well, it worked out pretty perfectly because the Shocker men played a double overtime game and saw Wichita State rally from six down in the final minute 12 to tie, go to double OT, see Kenny Poto, have a career day, 
And see, Wichita State survived a really weird day in, frankly, the midst of a really weird season. 91-89 in double OT over SMU. So that's two two-point wins by Wichita State over the Ponies this year. And what otherwise would have been another kind of head-scratching loss, that if not for Craig Porter and Poto, they very possibly could have lost. Craig Porter Jr. ends up with 22 points, had the game-tying layup with two seconds left in regulation. Six more in double OT. Gets Wichita State to 6-7 and seven in the American. I got to say, it was an entertaining game, if not a really well-played one. Because it seems like everything Wichita State did well, they gave back some goodwill with some boneheaded moves and some weird stats. First of all, the Shockers shot 57.4% from the floor in those, what, 50 minutes? Four out of nine in overtime. Didn't shoot the three very well. Newsflash. But did just enough with Porter's heroics and Kenny Poto going 13 of 15 and scoring 28 points to get the victory. And frankly, the final shot by SMU was a three in the left corner by Smith that looked for all the world like it was going in. Uh, It was right on line, but didn't go in. And Wichita State survived. So the Shockers, again, get to 6-7 and overall. Jaquan Walton finished with 20 points as well. But it wasn't without some kind of strange substitution patterns that's continued over the last couple of weeks for the Shocker men's team. You had Shamas Scott, and this isn't at the top of the list for sure, but Shamas Scott in a double overtime game only played five minutes. Meanwhile, Melvion Flanagan, who over the last four or five games has seemingly been in and out when it comes to, I'm not going to say the doghouse because I don't know that to be sure, to be true. But maybe water has found its level for Melvion Flanagan. But just when you thought that were the case, he played 21 minutes yesterday. Six points, four rebounds, one assist, two turnovers. So kind of a a mixed bag. But it was a Melvion Flanagan uh, double overtime, along with Craig Porter, who eventually fouled out, actually. And Porter had to play 47 minutes. He played almost the entire game yesterday. It was his... Normal, good self, although he turned it over six times, but I'm not going to put any blame at his door because he played all but three minutes yesterday. And the Shockers were actually plus four when he was out there, plus minus. But you got the curious case of Jerron Pierre Jr. He only played 20 minutes. And unless I missed something, please somebody fill me in because the, uh, the sound wasn't on. But Jerron Pierre only played 20 minutes and only took three shots. So if he got banged up or something happened to him, then okay. But just by the stat line, he had five turnovers and two assists and two points and only shot the ball three times. And James Rojas, who I know got banged up a little bit, but 
I didn't realize it was serious enough to limit him to 18 minutes. He's normally been, over the last month, a guy that they've had to have in there, along with Kenny Poto. But they survived without him. Four points, five rebounds in 18 minutes, and Rojas only took four shots. But from the beginning until the very end, Kenny Poto was the catalyst. Hit his first three or four shots and ended up only missing two. And they weren't all layups either. He was hitting from baseline, especially in the overtime periods. Played 41 minutes. Had a great stat line. Kenny Poto, 28 points, eight rebounds, two assists, two steals for Kenny Poto. So the Rojas and the Pierre minutes were a little weird. So is the Flanagan, 21 minutes. And Isaac Abide continues to log major minutes in a seemingly one-dimensional kind of role. 32 minutes, and by the one-dimensional, it's a good dimension because he hustles. Six rebounds. Two blocks, a steal, but he's not a very good free throw shooter. And he was only one of five from the floor yesterday against SMU. So, oh, and by the way, Wichita State somehow survived 25 turnovers. And in a game where they're coming off a home loss, where Isaac Brown was lamenting the fact that Wichita State didn't value the basketball. Well, they sure as hell didn't value it yesterday either. 25 turnovers, but they end up surviving because Wichita State shoots 57.4% from the floor, and Kenny Poto has the game of his life. Entertaining, certainly not perfect, and I think by now we know that that is not a way you can describe this Wichita State team, but they do get to 13-12, and 6-7 in the league. Next up, Temple on the road Thursday, 6 o'clock, ESPN+. Meanwhile, Wichita State softball off to a solid start. Not perfect, but solid. Went all the way up until yesterday, undefeated, but trip to Texas State. Gave up seven runs in one inning, and that was it. That did them in. Seven to four was the final. Coming on the heels of... A 12-1 run rule victory over Villanova. Beat Texas State in the second game on that Friday, 3-2. Then cruised by Kent State and Villanova again before Texas State clipped them yesterday, 7-4. Now, we had a pretty good idea. Lauren Lucas and Sidney McKinney would be the catalyst offensively for Wichita State. But those two players yesterday or not yesterday, but this weekend, were on their heads the good way. Cindy McKinney hit 778. She was 14 for 18 out of the leadoff spot for Wichita State, scored 10 runs in five games. Lauren Lucas was 11 for 17 with six doubles, a homer, and 12 runs batted in in just five games. That's a 647 batting average. And Lauren Mills, 8 out of 14, five RBIs. 571. So Wichita State hit like we thought they would coming off of that historic last couple of seasons. They only hit five home runs, one per game, and for them that's kind of a pedestrian weekend. But 
understand the wind was blowing in from right field for about 20 miles an hour, at least during one of the days. But Wichita State wins four out of five down in San Marcos, the Texas State Classic. And Wichita State's women was in action yesterday. They never led. They had a tough time against ECU. ECU forces a bunch of turnovers. They forced a bunch more against Wichita State. Shockers got within seven in the second half of a game they never led, but eventually lost 79-62. The women back in action on Wednesday against Tulsa at the Roundhouse. So mostly a good weekend to be a Shocker. Softball quite successful. Men's basketball kind of survived a weird game in double OT against SMU. And Shocker women's basketball dropped a decision on the road to ECU. All right, it's 137. When we come back, I'm old Jack Young, and we'll catch up with old Pat for the first time in a while. That's next, 137, here on a Monday. You're listening to The Shane Dennis Show on ESPN Wichita. What do people with blindness or low vision need to live to the fullest? Just ask them. It's skill development, scientific breakthroughs, knowledge-based jobs, and the same opportunities as everyone else. When you give to Envision, whether it be your time, donations, or your engagement, you make it all possible. That's because at Envision, they don't focus on the disability. They value the ability. They choose not to envision a world without sight, but to envision a world where people who are blind or visually impaired are empowered to reach their full potential. Learn more at EnvisionUS.com. When it comes to making plans for next year, it's time to think new for 22. Take advantage of the season's best pricing on model year 2022 Case IH equipment from CanEquip. Axial flow combines and headers, early riser planters, and more. Plus five years of an AFS Connect subscription with purchase on select equipment. Visit CanEquip in Wichita and Hutchinson, your Case IH Red Zone sponsor. CanEquip, CanEquip, you. Never be a victim and become an asset to the Wichita community with training from the Rainier Arms Firearms Academy. They offer a great selection of firearms to fit all your needs, competitive pricing on ammo, and an on-site experienced gunsmith. Come by the -the state-of-the-art indoor shooting facility and sign up to join our Rainier family for discounted products and so much more. Come by the Rainier Arms Firearms Academy and mention ESPN Wichita to receive a free range pass. According to a new national survey, most people prefer to stay in their homes as they age. In order to do so, and as their health care needs change, many will need at-home health care options to keep them healthy and keep them at home. Yet most adults age 50 and older have not considered the type of care they may need that would enable them to age at home. Now is the time to research the care you want while you're in good health. First, research the home care options available in your community. There may be government programs that can help, including PACE and LIFE state-based Medicare programs. Talk to your family about your wishes and where you'd like to receive care. Keep talking with your doctor about your health and consider the finances of long-term care and the assistance programs available. Keeping seniors at home is a win-win for patients, doctors, and healthcare facilities. Receiving care at home has proven to result in a better quality of life and better health outcomes. This survey and message are sponsored by Cross Country Workforce Solutions Group, the nation's leading provider of in-home clinical and non-clinical care for aging seniors. Hi, I'm Capri, and a little thing I love about the Chick-fil-A Girl Spicy Deluxe is the chicken. They actually put it on the grill, cooked it in the sauce. It's definitely a good grilled spicy sandwich. Hey, I'm Michelle, and a little thing I love about the Chick-fil-A Grilled Spicy Deluxe is it's spicy and it's full of flavor. 
When you pair that with the kale crunch salad, it's just good. Order a grilled spicy deluxe sandwich on the Chick-fil-A app today. Available for a limited time. Real guests paid for their testimonials. I'm old Jack Young, 141. If you wanna try to love again. Pat's back. Hi. Baby, Any directions to the studio? To yeah. Been a bit. Been a while. I didn't know. I didn't know where to go. This is Cheryl Crow. Ding, ding, ding. This thing on? Oh. I was letting it ride a little bit. Yeah. Oh, that's fine. Great song. Didn't Rod Stewart do the song first? Oh, that's a good so question. That's a really good question. I would be guessing on the answer to that. I don't know one way or the other. I'll do some digging myself. I wonder how that goes to redo a song. You need permission? Do they get royalties for that? I think both, yeah. I think that's you so get many- royalties for it, but you have to get permission first. Yeah, yeah. All right. So, uh, Glendale, huh? Phoenix. Yeah, Phoenix, huh? I don't think I stepped foot. In I Glendale. guess technically you didn't go to Glendale. <laughs> That's true. I'm trying to think of, I think I went to Scottsdale, but I didn't go to Glendale. How did uh, Radio Row and Phoenix compare to Radio Row and Los Angeles? Pretty similar? When I walked into the convention center, which is where Radio Row was, when I walked in, it was a carbon copy of what I saw in Los Angeles Mm -hmm. last year. The exact same setup. They have these white walls all the way around. They have all the other things on the outskirts identical to what it was last year. So I wonder if they have it down to a science and they go, all right, we're going to do this over and over and over again. At least in L.A., you can get to some water, into some food fairly quickly. Phoenix, it took about a mile walk to go get any sort of liquid and if you were lucky there was food wow (laughs) it was pretty crazy but but you knew that was was coming yeah of course after experiencing it last year had a feeling they would be somewhat similar and it was but people were nice people directed me to the right area I was running a little bit behind on Tuesday after talking to Chiefs in Scottsdale, and I had to sprint, which, you know, security guys are looking at me like, are you okay? Nope, i got to run to are an you interview. you running away from someone? Please, yeah. please don't think I'm doing anything illegal. So all in all, pretty cool. Pretty neat experience. Glad to be back. First thing I did when I got back to Wichita was sleep for a couple hours. Yeah, I don't blame you. 
my body was feeling it after the first day. That's what Long I week, man. You did a great job, though. I appreciate it. Let me it. be the most recent to tell you. Hopefully somebody or more than one somebody's have told you that. But that was top notch. Bang up job down there. Well, we'll talk a little bit more about it. I'm sure you will. During the polls, we'll get into it probably for the final segment of the show is when we'll really talk about it all. So, yeah, that was neat. And then yesterday with the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl, pretty sweet, pretty cool stuff. Sully Angles, our boy from KTV, stopped uh-huh. on by. Nice to see Sully. I saw he was down there. I said, there's no way he's going to go down a radio, radio row and not run into Pat. So I meant to ask you that. Well, originally good. he wasn't going to. He was like, nah, I don't think that's where the action is. And then he showed up on Thursday and he goes, holy crap, this is where the action is. I go, yeah, you should be here. <laughs> You never know who you're going to run into. So he talked to LaShawn McCoy, talked to Saquon Barkley. He talked to a few different oh, people. Wow. So and I'm like, he yeah. Was, he was glad he went. Oh, of course. Because yeah. he walked up. He goes, how does this work? I'm like, well, me being the veteran that I am, yeah, let, let me, me tell, tell you, you how it young, works. Young buck. <laughs> <laughs> well, glad to have you back. Great stuff. And, of course, the Chiefs winning is I e- even more cake, content baby. for us. Yep. Icing on the cake. All right. We'll start with Dead Day. This is February 13th. Dying on this day five years ago, the age 84, Tito Francona. Baseball. Yes. Terry's dad. MLB All-Star 1961, Tito Francona. Birthdays in sport. Turning 38, David Padgett. Oh, what? Is that football? Yeah. No. Really? It's not. Former KU great, right? That uh, David Padgett? Basketball player born in Reno, Nevada. That David Padgett. Pretty sure that's him. Is it Who really? Who was once the head coach of Louisville, right? Oh, wow. Wasn't he? And then uh, went out in disgrace because of the strippers in the dorm scandal and the blah, blah, blah. Hold on. Let me look. Hold because the phone. He Hold the phone. Because he transferred after playing for KU for a little bit. So, yeah, he went to Louisville. And then, uh, we look, returned to Louisville as yeah. the team's assistant strength coach. Worked under his former head coach, Rick Pitino. Mm-hmm. After spending the 10-11 season in that position, he left to become a full-time assistant at IUPUI. Padgett then returned to Louisville, hired as the assistant video coordinator. Shortly after, he was hired at UofL. He was promoted to director of basketball operations. Padgett was promoted to assistant coach position at UofL in March of 15, named acting head coach at Louisville in 2017. FBI investigations of various basketball programs that ultimately led to the firings of both Patino and the athletic director. Lack of institutional control. The garden variety definition right there. What's going to happen in New Mexico State? 
Holy bleep. <laughs> Listen Friday at 1225. They're going to be my story of the week unless some other program goes belly up. Good Lord. I Short answer to that question, I don't know. But when I sent you the deal, you were like, oh, no, this is what happened. I'm like, no, did you see this? No, this happened too. This is yeah. what I'm talking about. Yep. Carry on. Michael Turner, 41. I'm going to go with football on this one. Yes. Former Charger, former Falcon, running back. Luke Ridnour, 42. That's a name I really haven't heard in a long time. Uh, isn't that basketball? Yes. Or- Oregon Duck. Or Duck. Ducks. Yep. That's yep. right. Oregon Duck, great. Randy Moss, 46. Rand University. Close friends with Sean Alexander. They're tight? Yeah, Sean was talking about that, how they're going to go to Notre Dame together. There's a chance Ooh. of that happening, and then it was... I missed that part. Oh, never mind. Yeah, Everybody part one of clap. The, part of the interview. <laughs> one more time? I said everybody one clap. That was Randy Moss's, like, how he would finish up speeches for the Patriots. One of the greatest celebrations, booting the crowd. Absolutely love this. A disgusting Just appalled, act. appalled a Joe Buck disgusting to act by Randy oh. Moss. <laughs> as he shoots God. the moons to the face. Oh. God, I loved it, though. The nerve. Oh, my gosh. There wasn't anything wrong with that. That was funny. It's not like he actually legit his, yeah. pulled his down his pants. The post. Yeah, let's all relax. You know where he uh, where he went first before he landed at Marshall? I don't know. Randy Moss we're talking about? He went to Florida State. Oh. Got kicked off the team. Charlie Garner, 51. Oh, boy. Let's go with... Baseball. Dang. Football. Yeah. Dang. Former Eagle. Former Eagle. Former Eagle. Former maybe 49er, but definitely Eagle. Play for the Niners? <sighs> maybe I'm thinking of Garrison Hurst. Charlie Garner, I do think, played for the Raiders. And he he did play for the Niners. Good call. Played one year and went to the Raiders for three and went to the Bucks for one more. The what? Bucks. Ooh, left Played. out the Bucks. Okay. Played for the Bucks in 04. Matt Sundin, 52. Big four. Yeah, you want a hint? I would. I'll give you a couple hints. His first name is Matt's, plural, M-A-T-S. Whoa. Second hint is he's from Brahma, Sweden. Hockey. Yes. <laughs> Formal maple leaf great. Gary Patterson, 63. Football. Yeah. Pat, do you know where Roselle, Kansas is? R-O-Z-E-L? Because apparently that's where he was born. I know you played a Dodge. That I didn't know. Where is Roselle? 
Never heard of it. It's a Pawnee County. That doesn't help me. Where's Pawnee County? Out west? It's actually kind of central. Oh. Huh. Played for Pawnee Heights? Good. Yeah, Pawnee Heights. Yeah. The Pawnee Heights Tigers. Mike Krzyzewski, 76. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Puke. <laughs> head basketball uh, coach. Born on Overrated. This day, born on this day, died <laughs> not that long ago. Sal Bando. He was in the news recently, dude. Let's go baseball. Yeah. Former third baseman, four-time MLB All-Star with the A's. Brewers was a GM for the Brewers. Was checked it news out for Hall of Fame? No, he checked out like oh. uh, within the last week or so. Oh, uh, two weeks maybe. Died at the age of uh, 79, 78, something like that. Born on this day, now dead. Eddie Robinson. Football. Yes. Former Grambling coach. Won 408 games. That Eddie Robinson. Super Bowls on this day. NBA All-Star Games on this day. Pro Bowl on this day. 2005 Pro Bowl, Peyton Manning, MVP, AFC wins 38-27. Wow, terrific. Exciting. I think that was the year that he was talking about his idiot kicker, Mike Vanderjack, on the sideline. Only had Tom Dempsey. (laughs) And 365 years ago, this 365 days ago, on this day, Super Bowl LVI, SoFi Stadium. Rams 23, Bengals 20. Who is the MVP? Aaron Donald. Nope. Cup. Yes. Cooper Cup. Who was the halftime entertainment? It was Snoop Dogg. It was 50 Cent. Yes. It was Kendrick Lamar. Yes. And who was the Missy Elliott? Mm, good guess, but no. Dang. There's a female mixed in there. I, I'm blanking on who it was. Pat? Was it Mary J. Blige? You want to pick up ah, the sack here? Yeah. Was it Mary J. Blige? I'm surprised you didn't bring up Dr. Dre. Dr. Dre, there's the one never, more. The yeah. number one guy. Eminem. Eminem. By the way, why is Megan Fox now like Eminem on the Soch? Is her breaking up with what? Machine Gun Kelly real or not, Jack? I need to know. I think it's real, and that concerns Why me. Why do you need to know? I Because it's groundbreaking stuff, Pat. Like Rihanna being pregnant. That's also groundbreaking. Now, see, that's factual. I'm not so sure about this Fox Machine Gun <laughs> Kelly thing. I think it's a ruse. I think it's a... We've been hoodwinked, bamboozled. Yeah, I think... Bamboozled! Yeah, I think we've been hood, hoodwinked before. All right, there's your show from my end. For Jack, I'm Shane. Thanks for listening, but stick around. Super Bowl tales to be told for sure. With Paulson Pat next.